Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another Team Talk podcast by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight is Sean Connolly. How are you, Sean? I'm good, Jared. Thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Technical difficulties, as we're both aware. Second attempt to get this thing going. So uh <laughs> gotta love gotta love technology. It's supposed to make our life easier. But yeah, thanks for jumping on for a bit of a chat. So the whole purpose of these Tim Talk podcasts is for us to learn a bit more about yourself as a Celtic fan and um, yeah, we'll, so we'll, we'll jump straight into it. So Sean, how did you become a Celtic fan? Uh, it's interesting really, isn't it? Uh, with a name like Sean Connolly, what choice did I really have? Growing up in Glasgow, you kind of have to go with one or the other. One or the other. Um, I was actually born in Aberdeen, uh, but I moved to, to Glasgow when I was like one or two. Uh, so you know, I was kind of surrounded by it at school, you know, with the Catholic schools as well, like everyone's a Celtic fan. Dad's a Celtic fan, uncles are Celtic fans. Um, but when I was younger, I was actually a bit of a contrarian. So I, I went through like a, a season where I decided that I was an Aberdeen fan, uh, just because I was born in Aberdeen. Um, and that kind of extended to national team things as well, like where my dad was supporting Ireland at USA 94. And I thought, oh, I'll just be or was it Italia 90? I don't remember which one. But anyway, he's like supporting Ireland. And I'm like, oh, I'll just support Italy because I just want to be different, just be a contrarian. Uh, so I kind of eventually grew out of that and just started, I think I really kind of started getting into Celtic around about Tommy Burns era. I was, so it would have been after McCarry and Brady and just about then when uh, I kind of, my earliest memory and certainly my first games were going when it was Tommy Burns was manager. Fair enough. I thought when you said you were going to be a contrarian, I was going to be like, oh, so you went to a party thistle for a season or two. Well, I've always been, uh, even as a lifelong Celtic fan, I've always supported kind of local teams. So when I went to university at Glasgow Uni, I, w- I would go to party thistle games semi-regularly. And my, my friend played for party thistle as well, Chris Erskine. So I used to go along and, and watch him. Uh, and then I, when I moved to uh, South Side of Glasgow, I was kind of going to Queen's Park games. And when I lived in the Highlands, I would, I would regularly go to Ross County uh, and Inverness Cali games as well. So I have always been, after Celtic, I've always picked up whatever my local team is as a second team. So Perth Glory then, huh? Yep, I've been going to Perth Glory from, from years and it's not been fun. It's uh, I also support the Dockers, Fremantle Dockers, and I always think of that as like, uh, my karma for supporting such a successful team is Celtic that my karma is to support uh, Perth Glory, Dockers, etc. 
Oh, I just caught the purple double for you, mate. You know, yeah. <laughs> We always have the joke, like in my family, because I'm a Melbourne Storm fan, has purple as well. So I always have like a, every preseason, chuck a, a multi on, Storm to win the flag, Dockers to win the flag. Never happened yet, but one day it'll happen and I'll absolutely make some crazy bank. So uh, you times. probably make more money just keeping that and putting it in the bank. In interest, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's the old joke about the Dockers because of the dock thing is what's the only ship that's never docked in Fremantle? The Premiership. Yep, there it is. Where's Liam for his uh, sound, the sound effects for Liam and stuff we yeah. could do? Nah, normally yeah, we exactly. boo for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean. So we've recently had a change of manager at Celtic. How do you look back on Ange's time at the club? Oh, Ange was fantastic. And and I know like there's a lot of revisionism around it, but I actually tuned into it. Myself. I was trying to find the podcast recently to to kind of sound grab it, but I'd kind of sounded out around about April that he sounded like he was leaving. So uh, kind of read between the lines at that point. So I don't actually think there was any kind of level of betrayal there that some people feel that they'll always feel anytime someone they love leaves. You know, the same thing with like when Kieran Tierney left for like this mega millions move and people are like, oh, he's a rat. I'm like, Come on, man. Like the guys like just. Progression. Yeah, like exactly. He's just got his 20 odd million pounds plus whatever sell on. He's going down to play in what describes itself as the best league in the world against what is definitely contains the best players in the world um, outside of maybe Real Madrid and Barcelona. And, uh, and you know, like I didn't feel any problem with that. So in regards to Postacoglu leaving, I, I, I like yeah, I was upset, but I didn't have any grudge against him, and I'm just really delighted to be honest with what he did when he was here. And I think that he's kind of seems to be leaving a legacy because obviously when Rogers left the first time, uh, a lot of that was around what was going on at the club broadly, uh, and he seems to have come back happy uh, that, that that has changed. And I think that change has been been driven by Ange because. <laughs> Let's be honest, when Lennon was given the job in the showers, it was really just, it feels like whether he was given the job because it could be manipulated by Lawwell or whether he felt that he owed Lawwell and therefore didn't want to rock the boat. Either way, Lennon wasn't going to develop the club. He was just focused on the team and performances and results. Whereas when Postacoglu came in, he obviously felt so strongly that the club needed to develop that uh What's his name was gone within three months. Um, I forgot the, main, yeah, the Tom, name. Tom McKay. Tom McKay, that's the one. So uh, Postacocco was so unimpressed with him that he was gone. And it seems that uh, he's done so much quiet, I don't know, maybe quiet, unseen change in the background that um, it's been enough that Rogers has been persuaded to come back and that we seem to be running as a professional outfit Uh regardless of whether Ange is here or not. So, and then look, that's without me even touching on how good the football was and how successful it was. But yeah, he came in in a dumpster fire and has turned us into what looks like not a Ferrari, but oh, I don't know, like maybe a, a really nice Subaru, you know, something like that. Yeah, Ange did come in and uh, modernise the football club. That's probably the easiest way I can sum it up. But you just mentioned with Brendan Rodgers coming back to the club. So what are you looking forward to the most with Rogers back at the club? Anything in particular or just seeing how it all plays out in general? I'm, I'm optimistic that we can see some improvement in Europe. And I know that's the kind of background noises that have been leaked to fan media is that Rogers is here to succeed in Europe. And But one thing I was thinking about just, just this morning and last night actually was I saw that uh, Sport in Lisbon signed that player from... Somewhere in the English Championship. Do you know who I'm talking about? Striker, 24 million euros. And I'm like, yeah. is that the market that we might be? Because that's their record signing, like, obviously. But we should really be, we have, we're on the same financial level as Sporting Lisbon. So they're obviously thinking that they can, by signing this one player, that they can maybe make a leap in Europe. And that's really what we should be looking to do as well, I think. Uh, so far, it's not happened this summer, but obviously, all that chat of Fabian Reader is out there don't know if that's a tactical leak or not but if we could get that if we break our transfer record at some point that's to me that's a signal of intent but what I really want is 
the infrastructure to develop while still maintaining domestic dominance. But the real marker of whether we're progressing or not will be how we do in Europe. Um, if we get the hotel, great. Like if we start, maybe even redevelop the, the, the main stand, fine, great. These are all things that long-term health of the club. But I think the headline of progress will be the marker of progress will be Europe and the headline of intent will be if we break the transfer record and that's what I'm hoping. But other than that, uh, if Rodgers can maintain the status quo around how we're playing football and how we're progressing, that'd be great too. So we talked about the club structure briefly just then where you were, we're talking about Dom, mentioned Don Mackay and with Ange coming in and setting it up and everything. So I want to get your take on the current club structure. So the work Ange did to get it to where it's at with Rogers coming in, with how it currently is, are you happy with that or do you think there's certain things that need improvement and do you think we need a director of football or do you think Mark Lawwell's pretty much doing that job now anyway? I don't – so it, I was thinking about this last night, uh, not because it was in the run sheet, just coincidentally, and because Mark Lawwell, you know, Brendan Rogers has come in and we've signed these two players. So, yes, he's signed off on them, but there's no way he's – scouted these players or spent too much time looking at them but Mark Lawwell has so what's the difference between or Mark Lawwell and his uh his group whatever yeah whatever team infrastructure that we have in place have obviously spent a lot of time Marco Tellio alluded to that when he came in said Celtic have been looking at him for for years now Marco Tellio was at a city group team so it seems like we're almost an offshoot of city group now and that seems to have benefited us in the last two years uh, because, and, and look, you can like that or not, but when you compare it to what we had before, which was signing players like Marion Shved and Brendan Rodgers, like, who is this player? I don't even need this player. Yeah, like, it was an indictment of the system that we had before, which was just, I mean, remember the leak, the the, the transfer list that was leaked? Yeah that had Ivan Tony on it. So that was what we had. We used to have Neil Lennon, John Kennedy and Peter Lawwell sitting around the table with a list of names on paper. And now we've got Lawwell and his team and their contacts in the city group. And it is a much more, it appears from the outside, uh, despite the fact that most of it happens behind the scenes, it appears that it's a much more professional and efficient setup. And what's happening as a result of that, short-term evidence you know we've not had a long-term view on it but what appears to be happening from that is that we're having a much higher hit rate with players than we've had in the past and, and everyone's given Ange the credit for that so far so what I'm waiting to see with the likes of home and Tilio is is this Ange because you know it was always Ange oh, I just know a player when I see one kind of thing and the phone call the, you know all that chat but if Tilio and Holm are good and maybe the next couple others we get in, then I'm going to start giving that credit to Lawwell and Mark Lawwell and his team. I would also like to think that Mark Lawwell, having seen what his dad did with Celtic under Rodgers and Lennon, has maybe learned a lesson from that. And the fact that Mark Lawwell developed in that city group, he's seen how this can be done right. And I'm hoping that he, whether, and I know he's using his contacts in that, and how in, enmeshed we are in the city group is really up for debate. It's hard to tell. But uh, at the very least, Lawwell, Mark Lawwell, has been part of that city group and is uh, informing our new structure. And I'm, I'm very happy with it. And I'm hoping it uh, actually gets even better, if not uh, maintains, because what we had before just wasn't great. We were, now and again, we'd get a great player like Moussa Dembele, but it just seemed to be low success rate. You know, we had a lot I'm of stuff coming Darhan to call the club. It did seem like that, didn't it? Like it honestly did. So I'm like, oh, okay, we need players for some positions. What are what are we got? And then suddenly you'd be linked with like four Dudu Dahan players suddenly mm-hmm. out of the blue. And it's like, oh, is he just deciding he's trying to dump all his players on us? Cool. There we go yep. again. Absolutely right. El Hamid, Kyle, um, what was Beton? Like, um, yeah. Uh, um, the, way, the, last I, one, the last one we got from him was um, a barter. That's right. Mm-hmm. That one's actually been pretty decent in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I reckon he'll go on and do well under Rogers if he stays around, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, fail under luck. But would you see us signing a player like James McCarthy nowadays? I don't. No chance. Nah, it feels like we've got a much bigger database now. Where if one of if the manager or the coach or whoever turns around and says we could improve in this position or we need someone younger for this position, that 
they could come up with 10 names and then start drilling through those. Whereas before, we've seen the list, we've seen the paper list. It was, what, two names to each? And they were all English Championship players. It was not imaginative. It was not any technical analysis. It was four guys sitting around a table and giving their opinions. And then we end up with Barkas and um, a Yeti, mm-hmm. the 10 million, the equivalent of. So, yeah, that's how that all worked out for us. But we're talking about the recruitment side of it. And, yeah, I like what you said about we'll see if this continues. It's now a Celtic thing instead of an Ange thing. I'm hoping it continues. But overall, recruitment over the last 12, 18 months for the squad, you happy with what we've had had happen going on there with you know, signing Jotter on a permit, he's now out the door, and a few other comings and goings. Are you happy with the overall recruitment, or do you think there's a few things there that still need improvement? Uh, no, I'm happy, to be honest. Uh, there's, Like I said, if you could get above 50% hit rate, then you're doing well. And I'm also happy that we're there's no sacred cows anymore. Uh, Jack Macus gone, Juranovic gone. Uh and I, I think that should be the same across the squad. Uh, if Kyogo wants to go, go. Uh, we've learned the lesson that we should have learned from the ten in a row season is that if a player's not happy, the, do you know what I mean? They might be, be the best player at the club, but they're going to perform at what sixty, seventy percent of their of what they can achieve if they don't if they're not really happy here. If they're phoning in, if they see that this level is beneath them, they're going to perform down to the level that they see this as being at. So I think. That churn and burn has to happen. Uh, and I think any good team should be aspiring to do that, to be honest. Even just listening to a thing on BBC the other day about Dundee United, and they were talking about selling, uh, moving on Fletcher and selling Dylan Levitt. And they're absolutely, and they're talking about recruiting players that have proven themselves in the Scottish Championship. And that's, that is absolutely the right strategy for them. It doesn't matter that Levitt and Fletcher are their two best players. If Fletcher and Levitt are not happy there and see that as levels beneath them, they're going to play down to that level. And they're going to be playing the, paying those players inflated wages uh, to give a performance which is probably le- uh, lower than a player who wants to prove themselves would give. Paul Lambert used to use that strategy. Um, he would always sign players that he described as hungry, so he would look for players that were not necessarily proven or per se at a level, but would like have something to prove and would give that and raise their levels rather than playing down and and I think that's what you need to do and and, and it doesn't mean like we can talk about stagnation and being here for too long obviously Callum McGregor's been here forever but he's still showing that desire so he's he's got an emotional investment in Celtic that some other players never will uh, you know Kyogo has came out recently and said he wants to make his name like Nakamura. He wants to be written in the history books like Nakamura. He's clearly motivated to be here and do well. If he's, if a player's motivation is to get to a higher level, then you need to move them out, right? They should be here for two years at most. So basically like that is Hatade. This will probably be his last season at the club, you'd think, overall, the same sort of thing. And we've, we've spoken about this on that regular pod that it tends to be a two to three year life cycle for players at a club like Celtic. And it's probably going to be the same with our management team going forward as well. Mm-hmm. We've seen Rogers. We've seen he did two and a half seasons last time. Ange did two. Lennon did about a year and a half last time until he got booted finally. So it's that's modern football for you. So it's the whole churn and burn as you spoke about, where you get a player in, get him up to speed, and they play well for you to move on. So yeah, I agree with you on there. Um, talking about the Dundee United thing though, that did tie into me. So something that you said. So. A perfect club, like when we signed Lewis Morgan, a perfect move for him would have been instead of coming to us or come to us but then go on loan to a club like that, right, mm-hmm. for a year or two rather than coming and sitting on our bench and doing nothing. So that's probably something we could look at as well in terms of we struggle with the domestic quota for Europe. When we go and got guys like Armstrong and um, Nadir Kifti and those sort of blokes from – and uh, who was the other bloke? Uh, Makai Stephen, those sort of blokes. When we went and recruited all them back in the day, they were guys who had played at those lower levels, worked their way up to Dundee with Dundee, and we signed them all from there. So it's something that we need to look at as a club, but I don't want us to sign them players because they're Scottish. They've got to be good enough. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, no, definitely. But we, and look, this is a Scotland-wide problem where we can develop players that are great up until 18, that they compete in all these world and European championships, and and then they don't after that. Now, if you want to look at why, uh, why that is, just look at the last Euros, okay? The the semi-finalists in the last Euros, uh, in their domestic leagues, they all have uh, B teams of their top clubs, which can compete up to the second tier. So that and that includes Croatia. Uh, I can't remember; I've not researched in advance, but I, uh, I checked in the past, and I think there's maybe seven seven leagues in Europe that have that sort of thing. So it's definitely not widespread, and obviously Scotland doesn't have it, and there's massive resistance to it, which is why it's not happening. But uh, it seems that if you want that 18 to 21 development, that you kind of need uh, that sort of thing. Um, that's just the way it is right now. Who's the best team for burn and churn and the whole of the world? Benfica, right? And and they're the model that everyone aspires to. Uh, outside of obviously the the cash cow teams that have a very different model, but uh, for for teams that are developing players, that the the kind of the holy uh, grail of that is the Benfica model, and they have a, a team in the second tier, right? Benfica B, as well as farming out players. So I think unless the Lowland League is not the level we can't attract. So say, what's his name? Max Johnson, the one that's at Motherwell, right? So he's going yeah. to go uh, over to Austria, right? Uh, maybe Josh Doig, for example. These sort of players, uh, we tried to sign Hickey back from uh, Hearts. All of these players, uh, if we had a team in the Scottish Championship, then these players probably would have been happy to develop in a Celtic B team at that level. And then uh, with the hope of coming up, so say rather than us sending them out on loan to Aberdeen, for example, we could have been developing them in uh, the second tier uh, and then have them back in the first team the next season. And that's the Benfica model. That's the the, the Croatian teams like Hadj- um, Dynamo Zagreb. That's what they do. Um, Real Madrid, Barcelona. This is this is what they all do, and this is why they have successful youth development. Now England don't have that. Okay, so. Why? What? What are they? They're, they're obviously their modus operandi is just to spend stupid money on players and to have a million lo- uh, youth players on stupid money and then send them on loan to use farm leagues in Belgium and Netherlands. Do we want to do that? How many youth players do you see coming through in England? It's not many. For me, it's one where I don't like the English system. I like the B team system if it's what you're saying, like what they do in Portugal and Germany. It's like you're allowed to be two tiers below. So say Bayern B, they'll be playing not in the Bundesliga, not in the second tier, but the third tier over there. And even that step, they then need an interim loan or a move from the B team over into like Holland or Belgium to then come back. So there's even, like we saw it with Tillman, for instance, at Bayern going to Planet Sevco for the last year to bridge that gap. And we're seeing it now with our boys that we had who went across there. One of them's on loan at Queen's Park. I think it was a Hepburn, is it, or the yep, other one? Yeah, Hepburn. Yeah, it's been yeah, Hepburn. So yeah. That's that bridging loan that they're having for that gap between because the gap's still too big even in Germany. For mm-hmm. me, I look at it and go, those players you rattled off like Hickey and Deutsch and uh, Max Johnson, for instance, if we were to sign that sort of guy, I don't think they'd want to go on loan or go play in our team if, even if it was in the championship because they've proven themselves already at the Scottish Premiership level. Mm-hmm. I think what would work best for that would be if we had like a, a Red Bull sort of set up or even like a City group sort of set up where say if you're a Leipzig player and you're not making it, you're not going to be a starter at that level, you can go on loan to Salzburg. If you're at Salzburg, you can go on to, you know, you can go play at New York or you can go and play at, 
one of the other teams in um look, they've got a feeder team in the second tier in in Austria. Mm-hmm. So there's different options like that to look at. I think that's probably the sort of setup, like a Celtic group sort of thing. With you have us, if you had Shamrock Rovers in that, if you had another team, say in Switzerland or Austria or something that you could get into that sort of group as well, then that would actually make a bit more sense for us. Maybe like a grasshoppers or someone like that to put together some sort of group like on that sort of thing would work better for us than the B team at the moment. But, you know, everyone's got their own viewpoints on that. The, the only thing I'll say against that is we kind of tentatively tried it in the past uh, when we sent uh, Willie McStay over to Hungary. I think it was Hungary uh, to whatever team. And he was, um, the idea was to have players and coaches going over there to help them. But then he was back within six months. I don't know if that was personal to him or uh, just the kind of working relationship didn't work. Uh, there's two test cases this summer uh, that I'm interested to see how these develop because as you're talking about, we don't have a kind of pathway that the bigger clubs, I don't want to say bigger, sorry, um, clubs that have been doing this for longer have an, more established pathways that we don't have, uh, whether that's your Benfica pathway, your Ajax, or even your Chelsea, where you know we have these farm clubs that you're talking about. Uh the two test cases that I'm interested in this summer are Litsosa, who went to um, Lommel in Belgium, which is a city group uh, team. Now, what I'm interested in, because he's gone on a permanent transfer. So my interest there is, do we have uh, a Mark Crosas deal, where it's a two-year buyback option, which uh, the likes of PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid do regularly when they're selling players. There was the Dutch boy uh, at PSV, I've forgotten his name, but PSG sent him out there with a buyback. It just so happens that he refused to come back. Yeah, Yeah, he refused to come back, but it was a dirt cheap buyback option. And he refused that deal and and PSV are going to sell him for whatever stupid money now. But um, that might, I think that that, I would hope anyway, at least that that's, because when we're selling uh, our best B team players, like Sosa, for example, we're selling him. We're not loaning him out. We've sold him. Okay, so that is either a failure of our system or we're trying this new model of the buyback. They didn't announce a buyback and that's because I'd say that's out of respect for the other team, which is good. You should be doing that. You should be professional and making friends. But I'm interested to know, see if he succeeds in Belgium. Uh, I would hope that we have some sort of reasonable buyback option on that. And the other test case that I'm interested in is um, Adam Montgomery who's gone to Fleetwood Town for a year. So he, by all accounts, did as well as any player could do at St. Johnson last year and was an absolute star of that St. Johnson team. Uh, he didn't play against us, obviously, so we didn't really get to see it. I saw him one game against Sevco and he did well. Uh, but from, by all accounts of St. Johnson fans, uh, he did. He was exceptional and one of their best players last year. Is Fleetwood Town a step up? What's going on here? I don't. I'm not sure about that one. I don't get what's going on there. The other one for me to keep an eye on is, um, what's his name, Oluwemi over in Ireland, where I was talking mm-hmm. about the Celtic group thing. Where's he at? at Shamrock Rovers, is he? Uh, I, can't remember. I can't remember what team it was, but as far as I know, he isn't getting a game. Yeah, and that's that's the one for me to keep an eye on because if I mentioned earlier about doing like a Celtic group sort of thing and you want to have, you want to check if that league is of the right standard for us. So... Mm-hmm. If he's not getting a game there, is that too big a jump for him, or is it was it more it's more at play here? Who knows? Yeah, that might be telling. You're right. It might be that these are not just development moves, but test case moves. Like if you can't compete at that level, you know, like it's when we put Johnny Kenny to Queen, Johnny Kenny went to Queens Park and couldn't get a game, right? And that was when they were in the third tier. No, yeah. wait, sorry, no, it wasn't. It was second tier. Second tier, and it was also like when we did um with Connor Hazard. Mm-hmm. We had a look at, at Helsinki, for instance. That's another one that could, we could link up with the Scandinavian sort of league, except their leagues are out of sync to ours. So, like we we tried it up there as well. But anyway, we'll um we touched on it before about sorry, Sean. The, the the only way we're going to have talent that's top top talent is if it's Scottish. We're like the top talent is not. It's going to go to Man City. It's going to go to Real Madrid. It's going to go to Barcelona. Lionel Messi moved from Argentina to Spain when he was. Uh, was it eight? Somewhere between eight and twelve. Anyway, like basically whatever age he was. So we're not gonna we can't do that. 
Like, we're not going to compete with Real Madrid and Barcelona for the obvious talent at that age. The only way we're going to get players that are going to be Champions League quality as if uh, at that age as if they are Scottish. Other than that, we're looking, we would be looking to get players like uh, Jeremy Frimpong from the City Group because that's where the talent is going to be at that age, right? Olivia and Cham, same, those sort of signings, and I bring that up because, yeah, yeah it's around about. So, oh, yeah, that's interesting. A little spider <laughs> coming out from the roof. Yeah, so um, I see what you mean. Frimpong, yeah, it's just, that's the right sort of signing there, but then the the salon percentage is absolute killer. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. That's, that's part of the game, I suppose. Yeah, and don't do what Sevco did and make it 10% of profit. That was silly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. So we touched on earlier about um, the recruitment model and, you know, players staying for two, three years. And I mentioned Hatade and O'Reilly, but as my opinion on who'd be looking to move on in the next six to 12 months. So who are, you, who are your thoughts on that, Sean? Well, now that Kyogo and Maeda have committed, I'm less worried about Kyogo moving on because I was sure it would be him just given the stage of his career is at, but I'm not as concerned about that anymore. Um, I think... Yeah, Hitati and O'Reilly are the obvious ones, aren't they? And Abada is the other one that's still kind of there because of his age profile. I mean, same with O'Reilly. Uh, O'Reilly and Abada, due to their age profile, are absolutely ripe for picking uh, by those uh, teams in the mid-tier that would plan to develop a player and sell them on. At, you know, your Southamptons. Not Southampton now, because they're in the championship, but like, yeah. you know, Brent. The old Southampton pathway, in other words, yeah. like the one Elmer and Virgil sort of moved down there. And then mm-hmm. off they go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then they move on to a top six or whatever, top two in Spain after that. Uh, and and that's that's why O'Reilly and Abada would be the ones I would expect. Um, O'Reilly in particular, because he would classify, he would count as a UEFA quota in England. Um, Abada, I don't think, would count anywhere, but that's, you know, that is what it is. Uh, yeah, Tati obvious talent as well and you know teams like to pair some players together and what's interesting as well there's a lot of Korean players on the move at the moment I think PSG and Bayern Munich just signed a couple of Korean players so I wouldn't be too surprised to see um, O or Alistair Johnson moving on this time next summer but yeah in the immediate in the immediacy I would expect O'Reilly, Abada I'm actually not overly sure about Hitati because of the age profile but certainly talent wise and Carter Vickers, I think, is a definitely a danger to be picked off as well. Not I think, the only, I think the only thing with Carter Vickers that could go against him at that top, top level is his height. And that he's just a flat six foot. I think yeah. that's the thing that's gonna stop him going all the way to the top. Every other part of his game, I would put up there with the standard we saw from Virgil when he was at the club. The difference is Virgil was like six foot four, six foot five, and even Chris I was six five. And then you've mm-hmm. got Carter Vickers at six foot on a good day. So, yeah, yeah you're right. He's not tall, but he's physically a unit and he is absolutely the mental side of the game. He is exceptional. Like, he's so focused, so combative. He's very, very good at that, which is what makes him outstanding. And then we've got your mate Staff out there who has the height and the thing that Carter Vickers wish he has, is, but he doesn't have that same physicality about him. But It'll be interesting for me to see how he plays under Brendan because I think he'll mm-hmm. suit that style probably a little bit more than playing Ange ball. Yeah, and look, um, after Carter Vickers went out injured, I started to kind of appreciate Starfield more, seeing how he was, how everyone else we had was inferior and uh, how he was kind of carrying that defence on his own. So um, I do hope he stays, actually. I mean, I would love to get someone better. Another Carter Vickers is what you really want, but... Um, Starfelt is the second best defender in Scotland and unless we have another Carter Vickers coming in, I hope he stays. The real question is when's Starfelt going to sign at Sporting Lisbon? Yeah, because Jacinta, yeah, I did, I did think about that. But to be fair, uh, Lisbon's a short flight away, so hopefully hopefully not. Uh, I'm just making a joke there anyway. But yeah. So what areas of the team do you think we need to strengthen? It's interesting. Uh, it depends... I th- I do believe that Rodgers will continue with inverted fullbacks, which means I think Taylor will be fine. Uh, 
And I think Bernabeu will be at risk. So, but if he does go back to the old Rogers system of bombing down the outside, which I guess is the Guardiola system as well, uh, then I'd think Bernabeu might actually be in for a shout there as uh, someone who could um, thrive under that. Uh, I didn't particularly like that system because it involved Scott Brown going into the the, the middle of the pitch and splitting the centre backs, and I didn't like that. I really didn't. Um, so I do hope we persist with the fullbacks uh, inverting, but we'll see. Um, yeah, in terms of where we need to improve, hard to tell until we see Marco Tellio. And I, I do like O, I really do. Um, he's got a better goals per minute ratio than Kyogo, so you can read into that or from last season anyway. Uh, read, in, read into that what you will. And yeah, I mean, this this link with players like McTominay and Reader, that's what interests me. Because we have a very good team that can compete slash dominate domestically. And I'd be interested in just that next level of quality. That kind of player, the FIFA player that's like in the in your 80, your mid-80s range, you know, 83 to 85 kind of rating on FIFA. That's who we should be targeting, whatever position that is. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, look, I think it's just up the spine of the team for me. Like, I've said it a few times on the pod, it's, and you just touched on it before about you need another card of Vickers, but if we can get someone, another card of Vickers type, but in like a, an eye of sort of height, size body, we'd need mm-hmm. that for for the Champions League. If McTominay comes in, he's that big midfielder that we need that, you know, he'd come in and then any talk of a water coming back or whatever's happening there, we don't even have to worry about that. And then you look at, we know Rogers loves a good quality number 10. Who's going to be that number 10 for us in Europe? Is it going to be O'Reilly? Is it going to be Hatade pushing forward? If McTominay comes in, do you push Kelmack into it? Or do you bring in Reader to play that role? So mm-hmm. I think it's up the spine. They're the three positions for me that need we need to make sure that we're um, that we're getting a bit more size in as well. Especially when you look at the size of the basketball team over at Ibrox for in the league, we want to make sure we're doing well enough in Europe, but we do have that physicality about us. So when we do play them, they're not just hoofing in these long balls and you know the corners every time. And us having Greg Taylor and Bernabe, a couple of short guys going up against a couple of six-footers. Yeah. Yeah, they have signed quite a lot of big players, haven't they? It's interesting. They seem to be nailing their flag to that mast. Yeah. Really Martin O'Neill sort of vibes. Like when he was mm-hmm. there, he signed a lot of big guys. So we had big midfielders, big all across the back line. We had, And then you look at it and you had Sutton come in, you had Hartson come in. So you had a lot of size throughout the whole squad. Mm-hmm. I've always thought we were like one or two guys – especially after Ayer left and that we're a little little shorter. Rogic, even at his the way the way he played, he was tall in his position. Biton was tall in his position. Ayer was tall in his position. We haven't really replaced that size overall in the squad. Mm-hmm. So we need to fill that that hole and we need to do it with European quality guys because then that'll help us back in Europe and at home in the league. One thing I will say, and you might notice this happening across the city, is that uh, bigger bigger players don't have as much longevity. And that's just just simple physics. You're carrying around more body mass. It's putting more strain on your muscles. Uh, You see players like Dean Ashton retired at like 28. uh, And you've seen how 
everyone in the Martin O'Neill team just absolutely dropped off when they got past 30. Like, it's just That's a thing. 32 was some of the good ones. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can hide it a little bit when you're a defender, but the bigger you are, the, the your longevity, it's just physics. It's just, there's nothing else to it. So when we've got these small players like Callum McGregor, Kyogo, I, I expect we'll have a good bit of longevity out of those players. Yeah, fair enough. So now we get into the fun stuff, Sean. Okay. All about you. So who would be your all-time favourite Celtic player other than Henrik Larsson and why? Uh, it's when you add the other than Larsson, isn't it? Um, Otherwise it'd just be like a Larsson, next. Every one of these. I, I'm going to give you an answer that you probably might not expect. Um, oh, look, if it's all time... It's Tosh McConnell. It's Tosh, isn't it? <laughs> Tosh McKinley. Uh, no, look, all time, obviously, you know, you've got all the Lisbon lines. Uh, and there's a bunch of other players in there, but everyone biases the ones that they've seen you know, in the flesh, contemporaneous, the ones that I've seen thousands of minutes of, not just the highlight packages of, you know, like I'm sure we've all seen a hundred highlights of Jinky, but how many of us have watched like a hundred games? Whereas when you, you know, we could easily say we've watched, you and I particularly have, could comfortably say we've watched at least a hundred ninety minutes of Callum McGregor, right? We're probably pushing up towards ten thousand, at least over ten thousand minutes of watching Callum McGregor time. Just one of us, it's right? It's for Callum so, experts, according to all the uh, people on social media, the TikTok people. Well, I said we've watched a lot, a lot of these players, so we, we know a lot about them. But um, my favorite player is one that is just different, and that's why he's my favorite player. He's different from all the rest, and it is a Mister Patrick McCourt. Uh, so other than Larson, um, Paddy McCourt was one of my favourite players. He was just so, so talented, but he was just so, such an unprofessional person that, like, I just had so much empathy with that. You know, like, that time when I was that age, I would show up to, like, um, play football on a Sunday, like, absolutely cooked from a Saturday night, vomiting in the centre circle. So I had a lot of empathy with his kind of lifestyle in that sense but just the, the 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 talent and just the renegade style is like uh yeah i just loved it uh, if he had been a professional footballer he had the talent to go somewhere like real Madrid or barcelona honestly no problem and sometimes kids would say to me like i'm a teacher and they would ask me like who's the best player of all time and i'd, I'd like half jokingly say paddy mccourt but like also in my head like this guy was just so talented. He, he had the talent. He did literally have the talent of Messi. If he had the professionalism and drive, he would have gone to the top, top, top level, like in a George Best style. I was going to say, even if you gave him, say, Sean Maloney's level of drive, he would have mm -hmm. gone to the top. Like, yeah, that's the sort of level I put him on. Like, I thought Sean Maloney was a, a pro's pro <laughs> from what I remember. And, yeah, if he had even that level, I'm not talking about Bruni levels or anything like that, or Ronaldo levels or anything like that. But even if he was just had the same work ethic as Maloney and focus on his career, then here yeah, he would have gone to the top, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. for, that, for raw talent, best player ever is, uh, that I've in my life at Celtic. Fair enough. So then, off the back of that, then who would be your top five players that you've seen play for Celtic in your lifetime? In the flesh, or are we just. Just while you've been alive, it can be uh, ones on. On the TV or whatever, but yeah, just who have... Yeah, um, so Larson, obviously number one. Uh, and you almost, you almost don't appreciate it as much how good he was until he left. So like when you see him coming off the bench for Barcelona and turning around, so Arsenal 1-0 up, Champions League final, Larson comes off the bench, sets up the two goals. Post-match, Thierry Henry is effusive in his praise and Larson turned this game. And he's right, Larson, you know, the, the diving header he scores for... Sweden at Euro 2004 even when he's 36 years old and still doing a, an amazing job at Man United and, and a dozen games that he plays there like it, it was just so good and you just don't appreciate it when you're seeing it every week as much as when you see it uh, elsewhere so so definitely Larson number one um, uh, I'm not going to put Mr McCourt in uh, because look he was like he, he, to be frank he let the team down uh, with a lot of the time but uh also, you know, despite the fact he was the most talented. Um, 
best players, Di Canio was I loved Di Canio. He was brilliant. And again, another one of the things is when he goes, you see it even more. Like that volley he scored for West Ham. Uh, just used to love watching. I remember, do you remember when Matt? You, know, you went because you were down here, but there was a time where Match of the Day kind of went to Channel Three ITV for a few years, and it was when you had the Canio, Acocha, Thierry Henry, and it was just like a highlights package of these flair players every week, and it was great watching the Canio. We had something in. similar down here, the uh, the World Game on SBS, yeah, and they'd just show like highlights from the Premier League and all that sort of stuff, and you'd see those guys. So mm-hmm. JJ Acocha, he was a Bolton Wanderer, wasn't he? That's right, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. I do remember. Yeah. Those guys were all right there. But that was, to me, that was that was when football peaked, when you had Henri, Acocha, uh, Di Canio doing their thing. And then it just became, since Mourinho put his mark on the game, it's not been the same. Robots. But, you know, yeah. And look, that's when... Mourinho, in the game. Mourinho football is winning football. It's just not as enjoyable. But it's, you know, it is, and I think that, Postacoglu was a pushback in that while being winning and and that's why I enjoyed Postacoglu so much. You know, it was a little flashback. Um, after Larson and Decanio, um Stan Petrov was great. Um yeah, and it's who else would you have after that? Van Dyke was probably one of the best players. And yeah, I'd, I'd have to put Callum McGregor in there. Is that five? Well, Larson Decanio. Larson Decanio. And McGregor Petrov, yeah, I think that's probably yeah. five. You're tempted to put Sutton or Larson in, um, but they were their physicality was such a part of their game that it's hard to kind of, I don't know, yeah, I think that's my five. Happy days. What would be some of your most memorable games that you've seen Celtic play in your lifetime, Sean? And what's so memorable about them? Mm, obviously, Seville stands out, um, but the most memorable games for me uh, would be. Kind of event ones where I've watched my family, really. So, like the last game I was at was when Celtic beat Dundee United 9 0. Uh, that was my first day, my first trip to Tanadice, and it was the first time I'd been to a game with my dad in a while, and it's the last time since then. Uh, so that one really stands out, and I still, you know, to the point where I can still remember the game, the last game I went to before that with my dad, which was uh, when Celtic beat Dundee 3 0, uh, back in. 2018 I think Rodgers was still manager then maybe or maybe it was Lennon at that point Mikey Johnson scored a double like just absolutely running them out games but they stand out because you know you're just enjoying it with you know family and yeah the, the game when we won the double treble uh, that one when Encham and McGregor scored in the cup final against Motherwell that really that stands out for me as well again similar reasons I was watching it in a pub in Edinburgh again with my dad and like that's to me those for some those games stand out to me more the ones where I've kind of watched it with friends and family more than the what Celtic so you know when you combine the two things I guess like Celtic doing well having an exceptional result and then you know sharing that moment with with friends and family or what could, the games that kind of stick out in my mind more. That's good to hear. Did you hear Paul's one from his team talk the other day? Uh, <laughs> no, not yet. Wait for that question. Here's one. And if you haven't yeah. checked it out, it's on, um, yeah. on the channel and everything. Yeah, Maddie's mum, you know, chasing down, um, was I think it was Billy Conley or something like that and ran into the back of a police horse. There you go. What, one that always stands out in my mind as well is the 6-2 game and not because it was a 6-2 game. It was because, again, I was going, like back then we didn't have satellite TV or anything like that in my house. Uh, and so we, you'd always have to try and find a pub that let kids in. Because I would have been, what was that, 2000? So I would have been 13, 14, something like that. Uh, so me and my brothers and my dad would always have to try and find a pub that let kids in to go and watch the game. So we're heading towards this pub. We're running late. And I'm like telling my brothers, oh, come on, hurry up. We're going to be late. We're gonna, we're missing kickoff. And my brother's like, oh, we're only 10 minutes late. What are you going to miss? And we walk into the pub and it's 3 out of Celtic. And I just turn around and death stared him. And he's just looking sheepish like absolutely eating his words <laughs> and then then the next goal that goes in is rangers and then uh, they score a second one that gets disallowed and i'm like ryan this is your fault <laughs> you know the whole like you think that you're influencing the game somehow by your actions away from the game yeah it's funny how people think that i remember as growing up like my older brother was like that with the footy local footy over here he's like 
oh, I got to wear the same shoes because I wore them last time we won yep. by so much. And I'm like, yeah, because the player is, you know, kick, kicking that goal because you're wearing certain shoes. Yep, cool, totally. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny uh, how that works. So. Yeah, the Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. Have you seen that? No. Wear, wear something green, drink something uh yeah, eat something yellow, drink something brown, or something like that. I can't remember. And it's like uh, he ends up like trapped, so he has to drink his own piss and stuff like that to try it so that the team will win. And he's like claiming victory, you know, that's it's so funny. Oh, geez, <laughs> haven't seen that, and I don't really feel like I want to. You should because it really makes you realize how ridiculous all the superstitions that we, you know, like, yeah. oh, sitting in this seat and wearing this top, and like, ah, oh, I do it myself, you know, like, oh, I need to wear this top because we've not lost the game wearing this one and you know that sort of thing my mum had the best one it was always i have to listen to the certain radio station on the drive mm-hmm. in yeah and i'm like okay cool and some of the songs on there just be like i'd probably be more awake if i was in a library <laughs> it just gives you a feeling a little tiny feeling of control over something yeah. that's out totally out with your control and it yep, makes it 100%. Yeah. Yep. all right last question for you sean other than Messi and Ronaldo, imagine that we are in a crazy world where we got Scrooge McDuck money, so there's no one around telling you, you know, we can spend whatever amount we want on wages, players, whatever. Who would be the one player in your lifetime that you've seen play that you wish could have signed for Celtic? So as you so you're saying uh, money and yeah. and it is no, no money. Money is no object, but it can't be Messi or Ronaldo. Uh, Ronaldinho, easy. So again, that was what we're talking about. Uh, the kind of before football got boring. Uh, it was back when, again, Ronaldinho, two thousand and two, when he scores that goal at the World Cup, where he lobs David Seaman. I got to see Ronaldinho in the flesh when he played at Celtic Park. That was amazing. He is. He was just special. He he almost. Yeah, there was something weird about him. Like he was like an almost like an alien that was put on earth to just move a football about. Uh, I would have, yeah, see if he'd played for Celtic, man. That would have been something else. He would have been up there with the Jinky and your Larson, you know. Would he have? Would he have been the same player though if he ended up at St Mirren? That's the real question. <laughs> Could he have done it on a Tuesday night in Ross County? Yeah, I actually had on back of one of my Celtic tops. I had Sean Aldinho on the back. Like I, I, I idolised Ronaldinho. Like I really, he was so so. He was special. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Thanks, Sean, for uh, having this team talk with us. Really enjoyed uh, getting to know a bit more about your life growing up, watching Celtic and everything. Um, you'll find right. Sean on our on our podcast on the regular. Um, we'll be back to our full schedule of podcasts in the next couple of weeks. So um, until then, thanks, Sean, and how hail. Hail, hail. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.